rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. It's the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert here with you. Tuesday, September 8th. Hope everyone had a wonderful Labor Day weekend. Lots to get to. Uh, South Carolina scrimmaged over the weekend. Sort of, you know, same old, same old coming from the scrimmage. Um, checking with some contacts. It was better than expected yet again. Uh, Colin Hill played very well at quarterback. Not that uh, not that old uh, Ryan Olinsky didn't, but uh, – they all played well. Uh, looked like, um, you know, some of the wide receivers had good days too, some of the defensive backs, uh, all of that. So just a good, normal, solid scrimmage. Nothing, um, you know, Tony Morrell has a scoop piece up on the bigspur.com that names a little bit of specifics, but not, not anybody you hadn't already heard. Um, uh, also, we had the VIP room on the site. Uh, Jerkari Caldwell, the, the one significant thing, you hadn't already heard would be Jacari Caldwell as a true freshman with Ortre Smith out. He's starting to play a lot better. Um, so that could be your next true freshman besides Rico powers at the receiver position that ends up going in. So we'll see kind of what happens um, with all of that. Uh, okay. So thanks all of you that have, that have rated the podcast five stars. I've got a lot of good feedback over the weekend about the podcast, you know, shout out to Josh, who mentioned it in a Facebook group. Uh, certainly got some good numbers from that. Um, had a really good episode on Friday uh, heading into the Labor Day weekend. And so want to thank everybody for doing that. Uh, keep those, uh, keep those uh, five-star reviews and uh, all that coming. Yeah, that helps tremendously. Uh, I will be doing a JC and Morgan later today. I think we have Matt Stinch come on. So another good guest to talk college football. Uh, be sure to kind of check that out as well. I'll also be a, a guest for those of you that are patrons of the Locked on the Gamecocks podcast. Going to be on there with Keith today uh, as well, talking about scrimmage and, you know, all that happy stuff. So, you know, we'll see kind of what happens with all that. Now, the reason I rushed through all that is to get to this. There is a rumor, some rumors out there uh, on the message board and all that about a fight involving players. I can tell you that I've checked into this. There, there's a former walk-on whose dad is making a, a pretty big deal out of it. Um, I don't know all the facts, but the people I've talked to think it's, you know, a nothing burger, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and if you look at the tape of the alleged fight, it, it, you know, you can't really see a whole lot of – I mean, there's some activity there, but it doesn't look like a, you know, you don't see somebody getting the crap beat out of them. You certainly don't see 13 people jumping on one guy. Um, so I, I don't know that there's – I think that's just somebody trying to kind of stir things up. That's my opinion. But we'll wait for the facts to come out about all that. South Carolina released a statement to the thebigspur.com yesterday saying they are aware of the incident and they are investigating and they'll have no further comment because it's an ongoing investigation. So they're going to look into it. Um you know, unfortunately, these days, you know, I'll say this. First of all, you know, there's never any excuse for that type of behavior. Um, and I understand, you know, these are kids, uh, college kids. 
Uh, and quite frankly, they see stuff like that on the news every day. You know, people videotaping uh, incidents that are, you know, seem violent. A lot of times they're not, not even violent. They just look violent. Okay. Um, I don't think there's any excuse to, to tape it. I don't think there's any excuse to partake in it. Um, I think that, uh, you know, that that's, you know, I, I totally condemn any type of behavior that anybody does, you know, that involves that. However, these are kids. <laughs> and so at the same time, I, I, I understand these things are going to happen. Um, you know, I think that, you know, people can be sanctimonious all they want and talk about, oh, my goodness, we should never have fights like that. And I, well, I'll put it to you this way. Fights with football team, uh, most of the time it happens at practice. So don't – or in the locker room. Don't, don't think for a minute that that doesn't happen, okay? It's a, it, it's a sport where, you know, that kind of thing happens and then, you know, you're friends and you move on, you know. You, you, you kind of, you know, get in a knockdown drag out and then the next thing you know you're, you're sitting around, you know, having a pizza and a Coke with, with each other laughing about it. That's football. And that happens. Um, I think it's unfortunate it happened in the dorm around a lot of other people. But, you know, that's just unfortunate. Does that mean, you know, I think for some reason you know, there's a law enforcement issue here or there's, you know, charges that need – no, I don't, I, don't, I don't see that based on what, you know, the other kid's dad's been putting out there. I just don't see it. I'm not, but I'm not a cop. I'm not a prosecutor. I don't know. But I've been asked by many people to address this, and so I, I'm addressing it. That's my take on it. I don't think that, you know, I, 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 you know, from what I've gathered, it's a nothing burger. Just let it pass. Um, and, and you know that, unfortunately, that this guy, that the dad that's putting stuff out, trying to disparage the other players, you know, you've got some other fans on Twitter of other schools that are, you know, definitely egging it on because they, you know, they don't want to play the game or they don't want these guys they you know they're thinking there'll be mass suspensions uh, i i would be stunned if there were mass suspensions on the football team stunned over this incident i would be stunned if anybody got suspended to be honest stunned so for all you fans of other schools that are out there you know wanting to just you know but 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 they should it's on tape it's on you know whatever you're saying that's some ignorant crap cuz you you don't i mean i don't I've watched those tapes. You cannot infer. You can slow it down and not infer anything. And if you say that you say that you can see anything on it, you're lying. Okay. Um, so you know, keep keep egging on somebody that really should not be egged on. Really, to be honest, for his own, for his sake and his son's sake, to be to be quite frank. But keep you know egging him on because you know, you want to win a football game or you don't want your rival to have all their players or you want them to lose or whatever. That You just keep doing that. That's fine. That's why Twitter's a cesspool and, you know, the world is an ignorant place. Um, so, anyway, that's uh, that's the deal with that. I, I even hate talking about it just because it looks just like such a, you know, ridiculous kind of deal. You know, it, it's not, you know, and then you read and you look back and you kind of look at the, the players and or the – not the Gamecock players, but the who are the who are the people involved with it? You know, somebody's dad, who obviously, when you kind of look back through time, his dad is very involved with this kid's football career. Um, 
you know, and so, so I understand. I, and I'm not going to fault anybody for standing up for their child. I, I think that sometimes the people get blinded by that and they do more harm than good. Not saying universally that dads get, get involved with that, do more harm than good. But I think, you know, in a lot of cases that can happen. So that's all for that. Uh, you know, we'll have more out there. Uh, like I said, I'd be stunned if there were some situations like mass suspensions that took place. Um, I think that if there's any punishment at all, you know, it'll be handled internally. You probably won't even hear about it. Uh, but you, you know, rest assured, somebody's going to ask Muschamp about it. Um, and he's probably going to say, well, it's under investigation. We're not talking, you know. Um, so we'll see about that. All right. Again, Matt Stinchcomb on JC and Morgan later. I have that written down. Uh, and uh, all right, time to get to your questions. And I like this part because we had a lot of questions that built up over the weekend. Um, wanted to kind of rush through the scrimmage stuff, uh, you know. And like I said, Jakari Caldwell, I mean, I, I'm not trying to like kind of scoot, skirt over the scrimmage stuff. And I, I know I said Tony's got some stuff and the VIP room has some stuff. I'm not trying to like sell you a membership or anything on that. Um, I've been through that intel. Uh, I am trying to sell you a membership, by the way. I'd like for you to join. You can join for 50% off right now on the bigspur.com. Uh, but I'm not trying to, you know, not give you the intel uh, from the scrimmage. Basically, it's the same thing as last time, except, you know, Colin Hill did a little bit better than Ryan Halinski and the emergence of Jakari Caldwell. So that, those are the only two takeaways um, right now from the scrimmage. Um, so we'll see kind of uh, – see how all that happens, uh, you know, with, if we get more later this week. So that's why I'm going to mailbag. And uh, then that, that fight thing was just, you know, unbelievably, I don't know, dumb. <laughs> if you want to call it dumb, it's just a dumb deal. Um, but I, do, I did need to address it because people were talking uh, about it. All right, Jordy says, uh, any info on the Jamie Robinson incident on campus? Seems like mostly speculation and hearsay at this point. Yeah, it is. And, and, and I'll, you know, just to add to that, because I'm, I'm hopefully done talking about it. Uh, and thanks, Jordy. Uh, he comes in from the, uh, from the Twitter. You can get the mailbag at the Big Spur Pod on Twitter. Um, it's funny because Robinson was the one of the guys mentioned earlier. Uh, and then now it's just three more guys. So, so the story keeps changing, at least according to the, the accusatory Twitter account, let's just call it that. Um, so, yeah, so it was Jamie first, you know, all Jamie. He was the guy that got mentioned. And then now it's like, oh, so it's, just, it's another guy. So, you know, that, when things like that happen and, and, you know, you're trying to indict 13 people from Twitter, <laughs> how dumb does that sound? <laughs> you know, with, with a printout and an interview, you know, you know through the media, you know, Probably should have, uh, you know, your number one guy, if you have a number one target, you probably should have that guy, you know, involved at all times. But, you know, now his name's disappeared and it's three other guys. So, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't worry about that. Thanks for the question, though, Jordy, and I'm glad I read yours first and now I can go on to different subjects. Um, Gamecock Frontier says, could Adam Prentice get some carries in the run game, given the depth at running back and with Lloyd out for the season? I, I think his carries frontier are going to be about the same as they would have been with Lloyd. Uh, there are things in the playbook that give him the ball. Uh, it's kind of one of those things that uh, they'll do it every now and then. Uh, they, and they did that at Georgia and they did it at Colorado State. It's kind of a trademark. Now, Colorado State, they did it a little bit differently. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, can Prentice like okay? And I'll go a little further with your question with 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 White out for now, and White. I think White's supposed to be back today. It's a Quandre White with White out, um, and then you have uh, you know you have Lloyd obviously out, so you have three backs. You know, if you get into an emergency situation during a game. Uh, and maybe you're trying to run out the clock or you're trying to get somebody to finish a game for you, you know, do you put Adam Prentice in at tailback and just hand him the ball? Yeah, I, I would probably imagine that could be something that could happen rather than, you know, playing somebody else. <clears throat> but um, as far as him being a or in the rotation, I mean, I think if you have four, that's plenty, plenty to rotate. And obviously it's better to only rotate two than four. Um, but, you know, in terms of like emergency situations, could he stand back there and take a handoff and be a halfback? Yeah, I definitely think he can. So I, we'll see kind of what happens there. And, um, you know, as far as him getting a lot of carries, not sure that'll happen, but we'll see. We'll see. All right. Dave says, Hey, JC with Jakai and Jalen moving to right tackle and with Dylan playing both sides and turning time at left. Is it looking like Dylan at left and one of Ja'Kai or Jalen at right tackle to start now? Um, and, and, yeah, this was something interesting that did come out of the scrimmage as well. Um, I, you know, everything I'd heard about turning down up until the second scrimmage was he's the starter at left tackle. Um, obviously, there's been some things there that have caused them to play Dylan at left and then Ja'Kai or Jalen at right. Um, but I still think Turnantine will start at left, uh, and 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 I reserve the right to change my mind on that. Uh, we still have 18 days, um, because at the beginning of fall camp, I was I was saying, well, Turnantine may not be the guy right now because you know he he may need some time because you know, he didn't get spring ball. He's just coming from JUCO, um, and uh, and then he didn't hear anything. All, all he heard was he's got the you know, he's got that kind of locked down. Well, then now it's different. So there's some competition there, obviously, and they're, they're kind of looking. If Dylan does start at left tackle, I could see, yeah, that Ja'Kai or Jalen Nichols will start at right. Um, and if that's their best lineup, they'll go with it. But I don't know that I would count turning time out. I think what's happening is, you know, he's kind of maybe hit a little bit of a wall in practice. And so, and, and, you know, left tackle is obviously very important. <laughs> so they're kind of mixing and matching and all that. But uh, – you know, I, I can't rule that out. What you what you're saying is it is it looking like Dylan at left and Jakai or Jalen at right? I can't rule that out. I don't know that I would say that's the. I'm still leaning more towards Turner time, um, and based on you know things I've heard and 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 whatnot. Now again, that could change. And I think and you know guys know if you've listened to me over the years, uh, I'm very high on Jakai Moore. I'm very high on Jalen Nichols. I'm very high on Dylan Wanham, and I'm. I've, Always been somewhat high on jazz and turning time, but of those four guys out of high school or junior college as it was, um, I was probably higher on the other three long term, and I, I probably still am. I mean, you know, I I, I think turning time is very intriguing because of his size and things like that. But uh, you know, I, I, I as far as evaluating them when they were in JUCO or high school, I, the other three um, I would have probably had a little higher, but. I, I, I'm still not ready to give Ja'Kai or Jalen the starting right tackle position right now. I'm still, I'm still kind of thinking Turner Dine will get it. 
But anyway, thanks for your question, Dave. Again, this came in at the Big Spur Pod on the Twitter, the Twitter, the Twitter account, um, and you can just tweet right at us, uh, and we will answer it. Now, you can also go inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Uh, and we have plenty of questions from there. And uh, I'm going to scroll over here. The first one comes in from Joel. He said, JC, my question concerns the screen game. With so many unknowns in the wide receiver book, how much of the playbook will involve the screen game? More importantly, do we have the athletic ability and personnel to be effective in the screen game? I've seen a lot of Gamecock football. And the only time I've seen us be effective in the screen game was under Morrison and Spurrier. Lately, I've seen too many missed blocks by O-lines and wide receivers or bad play design that puts us at a personnel disadvantage. Thanks for the podcast of the Big Skirt Per Content. Absolutely, Joel. Last year, they tried to throw a little screen or something outside, and it wasn't even a screen. They had two guys over there, and the other team had four. That's more play calling, though. Um, you know, Spurrier had a pretty good screen. It was different. It was kind of like those <clears throat> – he loved those little tunnel screen kind of deals with the wide receivers. Um Brian McClendon, to his credit, against Ole Miss in 2018, had the screen game rolling. I think uh, Tyson Williams had 10 catches for 105 yards, and they never went to it again. Um, I think the Gamecocks can be really good in the spring screen game, and I, I think that's one of the reasons you hire Mike Bobo. Is to, yeah, that's one of his bread and butters. Georgia was lethal when he was there. Uh, Colorado State does a lot of screen game stuff. Um I think the wide receiver group is going to be better than people think. Um, and, and I think that when you're dealing with a wide receiver group that's got a lot of athletic ability, um, but is kind of green or inexperienced, running some screens to them really helps because it's just like get out, read your blocks, and run rather than, you know, you think about DeCarry and Joyner, you know, put that guy over there, run a little tunnel screen to him, make him miss. I mean, that's different than running a complex route. Um, and so I, I think that will work. I, I think Deshaun Fenwick, uh, as a r- potential starting running back with good hands, could, could probably end up making some noise in the screen game. And I'm still confident, even though the, the news about <coughs> from Muschamp about turning tide and, and the, the tackles kind of being uh, up in the air now is a concern. I'm still confident in the offensive line. But, yeah, I, I do – I think, you know, you asked, do we have the athletic ability – and personnel to be effective. Yes. The athletic ability without question. So, so there's your answer to that. Uh, It's just experience and and things like that. And guys taking it to the field. Um, So I think that's, uh, that's the answer there, but yeah, I I expect to see a lot of screen game this year. Thanks for the email, Joel. I really appreciate it. Um, Mark says, how big of an impact can Gunnar Stockton have on the 2022 recruiting class in terms of momentum? and future commits. And then how big of an impact could he have on the Gamecock program as a player? Well, I'll start with the second question first. I, I think he's a guy that could really elevate the Gamecock program, but I, I say that. I also think the same thing about Luke Doty. I also think the same thing about Ryan Helensky. So, you know, that the, the, those guys all kind of have a little something about them as far as being able to elevate the program. Um, and so, you know, I like Stockton a lot because he can, he's a bigger kid. He can throw, he can run, um, uh, you know, and, and I think those types of guys really can make some things happen in modern college football. Uh, you know, but Luke Doty can do the same thing. 
Uh, as far as the 2022 recruiting class, I'm going to have trouble saying 2022, 2022, 2022 recruiting class in terms of momentum and future commits. I, I think he's going to help the Gamecocks get in the game, and I, I'm just going to leave it at get in the game uh, with some guys from Georgia and surrounding areas that he knows that maybe they wouldn't have a shot with otherwise. Now, are they going to get them? Are they going to land them? It's a different story. The staff is good when they get in their foot in the door at landing guys, uh, but we'll see kind of what happens. But, yeah, Stockton's as big as it gets. If you're going to have a 2022 <laughs> – there it goes again uh, – commit right now, you want to get a five-star quarterback. You know, that, that's kind of the deal when you're talking about early commits. So, I think that that's, uh, that's definitely something to watch. Um, Keith says, Roper follow-up. Um, I'm honored that you addressed my Kurt Roper question. Uh, I don't want to be attention hog, so this isn't necessarily for the air. Uh-oh, sorry, I already read it. I probably should have thought it out better before asking because you're right, the offensive statistics were not good. But the nine-win season was great. Yeah, and it was. And they did, you know, there were some games. Missouri, I think once Debo Samuel got hurt, you know, we, we talked about the fact with McClendon sometimes within the game, when people would adjust, there was no plan B. I think I think with Roper, there was just no plan B. You know, um, <laughs> Debo gets hurt, and they're like, oh, well, you know, it's just going to be pedestrian because our best player's hurt. And, you know, that's not cool either. That wasn't cool either. So, you know, we'll see. Were there Was there some off-the-field reason why Roper was disliked and fired? <clears throat> no. Um, I heard Steve Tannehill sound like he almost wanted to say something on Eric Henry's podcast, but talked, stopped himself before. I didn't hear that with, with Steve and Eric. Um, I'm sure that's a great, you know, Eric's got a great podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me. And those are great guys, and they know what they're talking about. Um, what I would say would be this, that Kurt Roper was a, you know, everybody liked him as far as off the field goes. They you know, go get a beer, do whatever, you know. But uh, uh, and his wife was well liked by the other coaches' wives, and you know all that. His issue was he, you know, he he got a little intense sometimes, and and it was all his players played tight because of it, and um, not just the quarterbacks, you know, everybody else too. So that was the deal there. If, if there's any other like just because, but that's not why he was fired. He's fired because the offense was ineffective. I mean, you don't you don't fire a coach because he's you know passionate gets fired up and all that if, if what he's doing is working. And it didn't work, you know, it just didn't work. But uh, anyway, Keith, I, I read your question just because, you know, I didn't see it, don't read it. So anyway, thanks for, thanks for, the, thanks for the deal there. Thanks for the question. All right, rocking and rolling back to the tweeter. Uh, Pretty Ricky text me. That's a heck of a name off the Twitter. I saw that a lot of, Tennessee players had held out because of COVID. Do you know what the protocol is as for how long they must sit out? Will a significant amount of their team missing practice help the Gamecocks any? Last part of your question first. Yes, I do. Um, you watched Navy BYU last night. One team kind of didn't practice all that much. One team did. And it was 55-3. I'm not saying that will happen with South Carolina and Tennessee. Um I don't know their specific protocols because I think they're different protocols for different guys in terms of when they tested and whatever. Uh, and I don't – I would hate to say what kind of people they'll be missing 
when September 26 gets here, we have 18 days. So they're going to get some guys back. But, um, you know, yeah, of course, if they're not able to practice, then, you know, the Gamecocks obviously, you know, benefit from that. Uh, or anybody Tennessee would play would benefit from that. Uh, thanks for the question, Pretty Ricky. And that's a heck of a screen name there. Uh, Dr. Rob, Dr. Rob, okay. Hashtag Dr. Rob Spurs up. Okay. Love the show. JC is a big spur member. I see post questioning Hintlitzky's work ethic, not a first guy in the building. This seems to be the opposite of my impression of him. What have you heard? Keep up the great work. Well, Dr. Rob, you know, I think there's a difference between being a not first in the building, last guy to leave guy, and then just not having any work ethic. You know, I think that, you know, you got a new system to learn. You got a new coordinator. You know, you've got COVID you have to deal with. You know, you don't have structured practices. You know, there's probably a level of expectation that off the field, if you want to be the starting quarterback uh, for a program that has, you know, has to win this year and has aspirations to to be better than it has been, then, then you know, you need to put in the extra time. I, I don't think that's a unfair or insane expectation. I also don't think necessarily – that, that Holinsky from the time everybody got back, it's time to work on football. I don't think, I don't think Holinsky's necessarily been behind in that. You know, I think Colin Hill's probably been better in that category. Um, but right now they're battling it out and it's, it's close. And so, you know, I, I think that people kind of take that and run with it um, sometimes. Uh, and, and that's not fair. I think to Ryan Holinsky, because like I said, you know, people just say, oh, he doesn't have good work ethic. And that's a lot different than saying, eh, you know, he probably could work a little harder or needs to work a little bit harder just because of the situation he's in. Um, and I think I hope that explains the difference there because I feel bad because that was reported on our site. Tony reported that. And I feel bad because I think people have taken it and run with it and acted like, you know, so, somehow this kid's lazy or doesn't work. or I mean, he's working exceptionally hard. Uh, and so I, you know, I'm hopeful that hopeful that people kind of understand that moving forward. Uh, it would help if he'd win the job. <laughs> if Ryan Holinsky just wins the job, then we don't have to talk about this anymore. We just see how he does, you know, go win the job. <laughs> that would be my hope. You know, some people think I hope because I've, I reported that Hill was, you know, in the mix. And I did that because I didn't want any of you guys going, oh, my God, what's wrong with Alinsky? So I kind of kind of was trying to prepare everybody for it, you know, because, uh, you know, you don't want to melt down. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll take those. So people, people think that I'm pulling for Colin Hill to get the job. I'd actually like to be – I'd actually like it better if Alinsky won the job. <laughs> uh, not that I'm not, you know – Spartanburg County. I'm from Spartanburg and Collins from Spartanburg. And I, I do like to see the hometown kid do good, but you know, to me, with my job and my life, it would make it a lot easier if Ryan Holinsky won the job just day to day. All right. Uh, Matt says, why is it that we have not heard much more noise on Jordan Burt since the start of fall camp and further is it a concern to you that Jabari Ellis and Kier Thomas are running first team DT over Rick Sanders and Zach Pickett's from a talent standpoint? It seems pretty clear to me that Rick and Zach are the more talented players. Is this a knock on those guys simply or simply contribute to camp that 
Thomas and Ellis have had. Thomas and Ellis are seniors. Um, I agree that raw talent-wise, Rick and Zach are better talent-wise, but more than talent goes into it. I mean, you know, you have to play, use your technique. Tracy Rocker's very demanding. Um, do I think at some point Santa Jim Pickens will be the starters at DT? Yes. Could it be that Thomas and Ellis start early against Tennessee? Maybe. Uh, Jabari Ellis has been probably kind of an unsung hero. We probably don't talk about him enough as far as the offseason goes. And then Kier's fifth-year guy, you know. So I, I think this is one of those things where it's, you know, they're kind of put the senior ahead of the young guys and then let the younger guys beat them out, you know. Let, let the talented guys push the talented guys to earn it, you know. So we'll see what happens. I Do, do I think it's ideal because Ellis and Thomas are not 300-pounders to have those two guys that are undersized starting as your two tackles? No, that's not ideal to me um, at all. <laughs> but do I think those guys are terrible players and not as good? No, I think those guys are really good players. And, and I think Tracy Rocker probably sending a message right now trying to get Sandage. Sandage has to play more consistently down to down. He's got, you know, all the raw ability in the world. And then Pickens is just a true sophomore. So we'll see kind of what happens there. I, what I don't want to have happen since Pickens was a top 10 player in the country uh, is for everybody to start thinking, oh, Zach Pickens, oh, he's a bust. You know, no, no, don't, don't. He's a defensive tackle. Um, and it takes those guys some time. Uh, and I don't think he's going to be a bust at all, uh, even if he doesn't start against Tennessee. But, uh, you know, I, I, I share your concern just because of the size aspect. I, to me, again, would my life be easier if, if Helensky won the quarterback job? Yeah, my life would be a whole lot easier if Sandage and Pickens uh, won the defensive tackle job. Just because, you know – it's easier to defend, you know, those guys starting because they're, you know, not just because they're star rating out of high school. I could really care less about that, but, you know, defend those guys starting because, you know, they're 300 pounders. And if Carolina starts getting gashed in the run game and you got Thomas and Ellis on the inside, how can you, you know, you probably can't defend that as well. So I'm pulling, you know, I'm pulling for Rick Sanders and Zach Pickens to be the starting defensive tackles by the time Tennessee gets there. Doubt that'll happen though. That'll happen. And on Birch, you know, you've heard about Birch. Birch is behind right now. Uh, JJ Kingsley and Igbare is the starting buck, and he's apparently been really, really good. And then Brad Johnson plays some buck and some Sam, and he's been really, really good. Uh, and then Birch is behind those guys. You're going to hear more about Birch when the season starts than you do now. I think just in the practice situation, he's coming along, he's going to be good. Uh, I don't think he's going to start this year, just to be honest. But remember that Clowney didn't start his freshman year either. Um, I just think that Enigbari is too good for Jordan Birch to beat out. And uh, Brad Johnson's played well. That's Sam slash Buck. Uh, so Birch is probably not going to be a starter this year, barring injury. Uh, but I think that he is in it. They, they like him, and he's going to be a good one. So thanks for your email, Matt. I appreciate it. Jordan says uh jc i'm a long-time listener first-time question asker do you think we should see more risk taking from the coaching staff this year and or some trick plays keith also talked about luke Doty possibly being the holder which makes me excited for the possibilities that could bring 
team I follow second most closely is Michigan State, and I've, I've seen Mark D'Antonio win multiple games on risky trick plays. I've also heard of the studies showing coaches generally don't go forward enough on fourth down, and in general should be a bit more aggressive. Will this season be a season of some exciting trick plays and aggressive play calling? You know, going forward on fourth down, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think I've seen that too. They don't go enough. I don't know. Um, a lot of times that just kind of depends on the feel and the momentum of the game. That's a head coach call too. Head coach will decide if he's going to get a Will Muschamp thing. Uh, it's also a Will Muschamp thing as far as trick plays go. Um, and yeah, Doty is the holder. That 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 that's a lot of there's a lot of possibility there. Uh, I think special teams. You know, you're dealing with a quarterback, like a real quarterback as the holder, who also plays some receiver. Uh, and then you're also with Carolina's punt team, uh, you're playing uh, against a left-footed punter. So there, there could be some things that happen on special teams that are quite interesting this year. You know, throw in COVID and the lack of prep time some of these teams have had. Um, so, you know, do I think we'll see some trick plays this year? Yes. Uh, aggressive play calling. I think aggressive in the sense that they'll go downfield a lot more than people think. I think some people think that – Bobo's offense is just dink and dunk and running up the middle, but that's not the case. Um, you know, as far as aggressive going forward on fourth down, I don't know. That's not real, really well much yet. I think a lot of times that depends on the momentum of the game. You're running it well, uh, or you know, you you, you get keep getting nine yards every drive and still fourth and keep getting the fourth and one or fourth and a half foot. Eventually, you just need to go for it. Um. And so I think that sometimes that's what plays into that. But, yeah, Mark D'Antonio won some games on trick plays and on special teams. Remember when Michigan State beat Michigan a couple of years ago on the blocked punt late? That was something else. So we'll see. Jordan, I appreciate the email so much. Inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. That is how you get to the, uh, the mailbag. Or you go and you uh, tweet at – the Big Spur Pod and follow at the Big Spur Pod because that's the Big Spur Podcast Twitter account, the Inside the Gamecocks Podcast Twitter account. All right, this has been kind of quick, uh, like a thirty-five minute show today. Nothing wrong with that. Reminder: JC and Morgan Podcast later today. We'll be back with another Inside the Gamecocks later this week. I'll be on Locked on the Gamecocks, um, and we'll keep talking about you know Carolina football and. Uh, you know, the coming 18 days uh, <laughs> before uh, South Carolina kicks it off against Tennessee Volunteers uh, right there at williams Bryce Stadium, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. So until then, J.C. Sherbert is saying, I will holla at you guys soon and take it easy. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs>